Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesseur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Lord God, we thank you and praise you. Everything we have is a gift from you. You are our grace and peace. You are our righteousness. And, and we've done nothing to deserve your goodness. You are good. And as the fresh snow falls... We're reminded that you cover over our sins. Wash us perfectly clean, making us whiter than white. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. That steadfast love that you love us with. It's because of what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. And we can't thank you enough. Open our hearts to hear your word. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. A big, huge welcome to everybody who is here. A big, huge welcome to everybody who's worshiping with us on our online campus. And uh, we are just, we're excited to be here. We're excited just to get to, to worship and, uh, and work our way through our series on David and looking for God to transform our hearts so that we have a heart like God's heart. And we get to see these little glimpses of God's heart as we look at David and see his heart because he is the only one in scripture who it is said uh, is a man after God's own heart. He is, and so he kind of gives us these little glimpses of his heart. And, uh, and we get to see some of that today. I love getting to, um, I love getting to go on field trips with my kids. One of the real huge benefits to, uh, to me being a pastor is that I do have a fairly flexible schedule on certain days. Not so much on Sundays, but I've got a fairly, fairly flexible schedule, uh, you know, a lot of times. And so I, whenever the kids said that they brought home that little, you know, permission slip form and said, hey, we got a field trip, you know, I regularly got to say yes. You know, and I just love going on field trips. A, I love getting to see my kids in their natural environment, the wild beasts that they are sometimes when they were younger. Um, you know, as they're, as they're interacting with their, with their friends, as they're sitting on the bus, as they're interacting with their teachers, um, you, you know, I just, I really enjoy doing that. The other thing that is so cool about field trips is I loved getting to experience something new with my kids. Just love getting to do it. And so um, this is, I don't know, man, it's got to be close to 10 years ago. I think it's close to 10 years ago. I went, uh, fifth grade? Yeah. Uh, uh, Catherine was in fifth grade and we got to go on a field trip together and experience something new. Spelunking. Yeah. Do you guys know what spelunking is? 
It's exploring caves. And so we load onto the bus and they drive us out. You know, they went past the cave that I thought we were going to. I thought they were going to go to this place called Makokita Caves in Iowa. I mean, that cave is massive. You can, you know, park like four buses in that, just in the entrance to that cave. And it went underneath a road and all way, way back there. But they drove past that one. They, and they drove all the way out to the middle of nowhere. They drop us off at some farmhouse. And I'm like, what are we doing here? We go past. As we, we hike, we're following a guide, and we hike past the farmhouse, past the cows, you know, and the barn, through the pasture, close the gate so the bull doesn't get you, all the way up the hill, go through the other gate, you know, and then over the hill and down into this little valley. It's a beautiful little picnic spot, and I'm like, where's the cave? We're looking all over the place. There's nothing. And then, you know, I'm expecting something, you know, some big old cave that we're going to walk in. Okay, that's all very cool. The guide comes up and directs all of our attention to this giant, beautiful bluff wall. And there at the bottom of the bluff is a hole. There's a hole in the ground. And the guide directs us to follow her as she crawls on her hands and knees and then army crawls on her belly into this hole in the ground. What have I done? All of the students line up behind the guide. All of the adults, it seems, were the last to go in. We get to see who's really, you know, got what it takes here. The kids are all going in. All of us had helmets on, and, you know, I brought, you know, a little, little headlamp and stuff like that. We were having a great time. And... Um, and we get on, I, I definitely, I start army, I started crawling on my hands and knees. And then quickly as I get into the, you know, the hole, I realized that this, this was not, you know, I'm not a big dude, you know. But even I had to get down on my belly and just kind of army crawl through the mud, down through this tunnel until it opened up into this huge cave with a mud floor. And as the, the lamps and flashlights all started to come out, you got to see all of the, like, you know, the, the stalactites and stuff like that, and the bats hanging all over the place, and the bat poop all over the floor. And you're like, now we're in a cave. This cave was huge. It had tunnels all over the place. They had even, they really even had really cool names like the Dragon's Tooth and the Birth Canal. <laughs> it's the one I got stuck in. <laughs> It's stuck in the birth canal. The guide had to like, she, she had to like grab me by both arms. I'm like sideways in the birth canal and they had to like pull me out. That's when I got to see something in Catherine. It was so much fun to experience it together with her because as we're exploring through all of these tunnels and caves and it's dark, 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 I got to see how brave she is over and over again as she just crawled her way through these tunnels. Get to see her courage. It was so much fun. After we had kind of acclimated ourselves and the whole, there's like over 50 of us in there and, and you know, and the, you know, the, the guy just brings us all back together and we kind of crawl out. It's fun watching these little kids like drop out of little tunnels. Some of them like literally like a tunnel would go up and the kid would drop out of like the sky, you know, well, not the sky because it's a, under earth. Anyways, you know, you know, you know. <clears throat> and uh, all these kids get together and, 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 and there's this, 
you know, the guide gathers us all together and the guide asks, all, you know, everybody with a flashlight or a headlamp to turn them off. And one by one, uh, starting with the kids all turning theirs off and the, the last ones to turn their lamps off were, of course, the adults. I'm not sure what that says. It says something. Um, and, and the only light left on is the guide's light. And you can see that light so incredibly clearly. And she prepared everyone there as she was about to turn that light off as we were deep into this cave and there's no light. She turned that lamp off. She continued to speak so that you knew that there was another human in the cave. But you could see nothing but blackness. I waved my hand in front of my face, couldn't see a thing. And then just reaching out, I had an idea where Kat was, and I, I just touched her on the shoulder, and she jumped and hit her head on the, on the top of the cave. Thankfully, she had her helmet on. Uh, you know, and, and we just got to see and experience the darkness, the deep darkness of this cave. I don't even know. We didn't explore all the way to the depths of it. We went way back there, sliding through mud and all sorts of stuff. It's in a cave like that that we get to meet David today in our text in 1 Samuel 24. But before we hop into 1 Samuel, I want to ask you a question. And I'm just going to ask you to kind of keep it in the back of your mind as we, just, you know, as we talk about the text today. And then we'll try and wrap it around at the end. The question is, if you could get what you really want... Or you could receive what God wants for you and for your life. What would you choose? If you could get what you really want, I'm not talking about like some of my wants, like I want a sandwich, a slice of birthday cake, you know, and a nap. No, I'm talking about like if you could get what you really deeply want. Or... You could receive what God wants for you and for your life. What would you choose? Keep that in the back of your head as we go through. Let's jump in. Um, let me catch you up a little bit, I should say. Because last week, you know, David kills Goliath. He's the hero. And, and, and everything's going great. You know, like Saul's like, great, I don't have to fight him. And David's like, don't let no one's heart be faint. That's what we hear a little bit about, you know, David's heart. Let no one's heart be faint. You know, I'll go, I'll fight the, you know, I'll fight Goliath. And sure enough, whoosh, killed, dead, then dead, dead, and then cut off his head. If you didn't catch the message last week, you can, you know, go back, kick it online um, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, after this, you know, and after the, this great, huge victory over the Philistines, um, the, you know, David and Saul and the entire army, they all come back to Jerusalem and they're celebrating and people are coming out of their houses and they're making up spontaneous songs. This sounds like a great fun city to live in. Like, seriously, they are so excited about this victory. They're so excited about Saul. 
King Saul, they're so excited about David, and they're singing this song, and they're like, oh, praise the Lord, the Lord has rescued us, um, you know, thank you for King Saul, he's slayed his thousands, and thank you for our hero David, he's slayed his tens of thousands. And Saul gets back to his house, and did you hear that? Did you hear the song that they were singing? King Saul slayed his thousands, but David slays his tens of thousands. The kid? I mean, come on. I'm the king. He was mad. And we get to see Saul's heart as this worm of jealousy and anger burrows into his heart and Spirit of the Lord was removed from him. And he was plagued by an evil spirit. As he was plagued by an evil spirit, he would just become angry and despondent and, and he would lash out. And so, um, and, and so they would call David in to, to play some music because nothing tames the beast like some good tunes. And, um, and, and, and so, you know, David would come in and we would play the lyre and the harp. And, and Saul, when he was plagued by this evil spirit, would be angry and jealous. And, and, you know, and as David is playing, you know, trying to calm him down, he would reach over to the spear that sat right next to him and he'd hurl that spear right at David. And David had like mad skills with the harp. Like, didn't even break solo. You know? Twice it happened in one day. Twice. Spear number one, spear number two. David decided after that, time for a break. Let's go for an intermission. Catch you later. You know? Over and over again, Saul is trying to kill David throwing spears at him, chasing him around, threatening his life. Until finally, Saul's son, Jonathan, who was like David's best friend, warns him, don't come to dinner tonight. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. David hid and then he ran away. He didn't even go back to his room for any of his stuff. He didn't have his sword. He didn't have his armor. He didn't, you know, nothing. He didn't have extra clothes. He didn't have any, even have you know, anything left to eat. He just ran. And, and some of his soldiers who followed him, they ran with him. And they ran and they went to the priest. And, they, and he's like, you know, goes to the priest. And he's like, look, we, don't, we, got, we got nothing. Do you have anything? Do you have, got anything to eat? And the, you know, the priest is like, yeah, I've got, um, I've got some of the day-old um, holy bread, which was offered to the Lord and then kind of like left over afterwards and and he's like great I'll, uh, I'll take anything day old bread sure no problem I left without my sword do you have any any weapons here and um, and the priest said no I've only got you know the sword that you took off of Goliath you could have that back and he takes Goliath's sword and some day old bread and he and about 600 men run away and hide. 
And that's where we catch up to David in our text today. It's in 1 Samuel 24. You may realize as we're going through 1 Samuel that that it seems like 1 Samuel was named wrong. It's really a whole lot more about David. And so is 2 Samuel. So the truth is, if we could rewrite the titles, it would really be the book of David. But so that you can find it in your Bibles, either on your, on your iPad or on your paper Bible or whatever, it is officially called 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 24, starting in verse 1, reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold! David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men, like elite soldiers, uh, of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rock. What a great place to hang out. Where are you going today? Wild goat rock. Very, very cool. Um, and he came to the sheepfolds by the way, and, and where they, there was this cave, and, call, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Yes, that means exactly what it, you think it means. Saul had to go potty. And so he went into, into a cave to poo. And um, it's true. So it's right there in the Bible. Uh, and, and, and went into to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Crazy, right? Like, who would have planned that? David, the guy who Saul's trying to kill, and 600 of his men are hiding in the back of a giant outhouse. That's basically what a cave was back then, the giant outhouse. Verse 4, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Hint, hint, wink, wink. You know, what do you do when your enemy is all by themselves in a compromised position in a cave where no one can see? The Lord's delivered him into your hand. Do what seems good to you. Wink, wink, kill him. Then all of these problems will be over. Nobody's trying to kill King, you know, kill David and he gets to be king. Nobody's trying to kill David's 600 soldiers or any of their families. Win-win for everybody except for King Saul. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. David has mad skills, okay? And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. It seems like a really small thing to us. He just like cut off the corner of his robe. He didn't kill him. I mean, killing him, I understand feeling guilty after killing the guy, but all he did was cut off the corner of his coat. Like, what are you feeling bad about? His heart struck him. It means It's the same exact word for being stricken or smitten. It's like, this, um, it's like the word that they would use if you got hit with a sword, you know? You got struck. 
And his actions of even just cutting the corner of Saul's robe just, just cut him to the heart. That's David's heart. He feels guilty over doing something wrong, even if we would look at it and say, pretty minor. Verse 6, he said to his men, the Lord, that's Yahweh, the God who saves our God. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the king. The Lord's anointed, the one who God chose to be king. To put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Now, remember, David's there with 600 guys, 600 soldiers. All of their lives are are being threatened. Saul's got 3,000 soldiers. David's got 600 dudes. And the answer to their problem seems so simple. They're like, David, just go up and kill the guy, and then we're all good. Like, nobody's trying to kill you. Nobody's trying to kill us. We're all saved. But David would not attack the Lord's anointed, the one who God chose to be king. He wouldn't take what he even wanted, what even made sense to him and the guys around him. And so he had to like, like quietly, because they're in a cave, you know, kind of echoes in there, like convince his guys not to attack him. No, don't, let's kill him. No, don't kill him. Don't attack him. Be quiet. No, don't do it. You stay here. I don't know how you convince 600 dudes. Don't, don't do it. Stay here. I'll take care of it. Verse 8, afterward David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, This day, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared your life. I said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. David saying, I will not kill him because he's God's man. See, my father, I love that. You see, Saul is both his king the Lord's anointed, he is also his father-in-law. Yeah, his father-in-law is trying to kill him. So if you ever have trouble with the in-laws, I mean, come on. Have they tried to kill you today? Okay, not so bad. My father-in-law, Russ, if you're watching, I love you. You haven't tried to kill me not once. Thank you. My father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. 
May the Lord, Yahweh, big L, big O, big R, big D, judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not attack you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom, after whom has the king of Israel come out? And whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? He's basically saying, who are you chasing? Me? I'm nothing. I'm a dead dog. I'm a flea. He reg- so he, uh, David will use this, this you know, symbol for himself again in the future. He's not being arrogant. He's not. He's humble. I'm a flea on a dead dog. May the Lord, therefore, be judged and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. And as soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? At least he knows he's trying to kill kill his son-in-law. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, that by the Lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me and that you will not destroy my name uh, uh, out of my father's house. And David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David went up to the stronghold. Here is the reading of God's word. David's heart gets struck. And all he did was cut the corner of the robe off. He didn't even kill him. But we get to see David's heart. God's heart. When David had the opportunity to kill his enemy, instead, he gave undeserved mercy not giving him the punishment that he deserved. That's mercy. Undeserved. I mean, Saul's chasing him. How many times Saul tried to kill him? Saul is chasing him all over the countryside. And David's living in caves. And he's running around with his men. And they're just living off of the land, doing whatever they can to stay alive. And the day that the Lord actually delivers them into his hands, instead of doing what he wants or what his men wants, David gives undeserved mercy. And he spares his life. He even feels bad about cutting the corner of his robe off, but he uses it for good. He goes out and he uses that corner of his robe to prove to King Saul that he means him no harm. Could have killed you. I got close enough to cut off your, you know, your, the edge of your robe while you were going to the bathroom. But I didn't. I'm not trying to kill you. 
undeserved mercy, and then he seeks peace. Peace for the guy who's trying to kill him. Peace with his father-in-law who's trying to murder him. Peace. Peace. Saul wept. And it sounds like Saul changed his mind. But it doesn't last long. He'll chase him again. If you're interested in a really good story, keep reading through First, first Samuel. It's great stuff. It really is. So what about that question I asked? You see, David could have had what he wanted to have this whole running away and hiding thing all over. He could have had what he wanted to be king. That's what was promised to him. God chose David to be the next king. Let's just hurry the process along. Kill Saul, get him out of the way, then David and all of his soldiers, then they're risk-free. He gets to be king and it's all good. That's what he wants. Do what is right in your heart, it said. Or receive what God wants for his life. God's heart is a heart of mercy and peace. David. David gave Saul undeserved mercy and sought peace. And it was risky that day because he gave away his position for him and his men. And Saul's army could have just killed them all. It was a risky move. But instead of grabbing what he wanted, he received what God wanted. So how about you? How about me? What do you want? And if given the choice between what you want and what God wants for your life, just receiving what God wants for your life, You see, Jesus is the Lord's anointed. He was anointed by God as the Son of God, our King Jesus. And what did he want? He wanted to be spared from suffering and death, but instead received what God wanted, died on a cross, crying out for undeserved mercy, even for the people who were killing him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Giving mercy to each one of us, creating peace between us and God the Father by taking away all of our sin and washing us clean like a brand new blanket of snow. God's heart is a heart that gives undeserved mercy. The mercy that he gives to us through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. God's heart is a heart that seeks peace. The heart that he gives us is a heart that gives undeserved mercy. A heart that seeks for peace. 
as the Lord has been merciful to us and given us peace. Let's pray together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. You are good, so good. You are so good to us, even though we don't deserve it. We chase after the things that we want. We want this, we want that. I want this, I want that. And all too often, we don't even stop to ask what you want. Lord, we confess that we've sinned against you. With our thoughts and with the things that we say and the things that we have done, we've sinned against you. We cry out to you for mercy. Mercy, Lord, please. Not because of what we've done, not because we've been good, but because you are good and because of what Christ has done for us. We ask you, Lord God, for mercy and peace. And we pray, Lord God, that you would give us a heart of mercy that gives mercy to others as you have been merciful to us. That, that seeks for peace with others, even if they're against us. We thank you, Lord God, for giving your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are the only way that we can receive mercy and peace. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You stand with me, and uh, I'll send you out with the words of Hebrew, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in every time of need. We need him. And he has thrown open the gates to welcome us into his throne room. And he allows us to come in with confidence to receive mercy and grace in every time of need. Receive this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace except for charity. I need to talk to you for a second. Go in peace. You get peace too, charity. Contribution statements. We already announced it, Tom, but you were out in the foyer. Oh, okay. <laughs>